have a light out in here? Or is... Like, do you do you feel you feel like you're well lit or poorly lit? I think I might have vertigo. Really? Have you ever had vertigo? I feel like I had vertigo. I just went and bought a Halloween costume and try these on. They're sunglasses. I got them at Goodwill for like five dollars, <laughs> and I <laughs> I put them on, and I was wondering what's going oh, on. Oh, <laughs> what? Oh my God, guys. They're readers. They're they're yeah. the they're they're tra- they're not transitions. What are they called? They're like bifocals. They're bi <laughs> they're bifocal sunglasses, dude. They're kind of fire. I can totally see what time it is. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm pretty embarrassed because I purchased them. I put them on in the store. I don't know what's going through my head. Didn't even notice. Didn't even notice. It's just everything was blurry. So I'll I'll be good for my Halloween cut. My Halloween tonight. I don't need to see. Dude, these are great. I can see the date finally on my watch. <laughs> I can from here. I can see on my computer what appointment we have next. Welcome to the Eric Andrews Lang Show, everybody. Jojo, Eric, we <laughs> we have a mission. Yeah. So Eric, Eric believes that we can do a podcast at any time, and and I don't I don't blame him. How many years of doing it? I think we're uh, four, four and a half, four and a half years of the Eric Andrews Lang Show. Brought to you by the people who told him he couldn't make a golf TV show. Ooh. So he had to make a podcast. Uh, what would you say is the is the weirdest place you've ever recorded a podcast? Uh, Stuart and I did one on a bullet train. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. That was pretty sick. Stuart and you also did one at like 3 a.m. in a typhoon in Vietnam like a month ago. Yeah, that was awesome. It was, uh, wait, was it was it in a typhoon? Where, where, what was it? A tropical depression? <laughs> I don't know what the exact weather yeah. event was. I mean, you can, you know, it's like if you can talk. Yeah, if you can talk, yeah, you can pod. That'd actually be a cool. Like, could you do adventures in podcasting and just like and basically go to wild places and not and just basically the whole pitch is it's just a basic podcast, mm-hmm. but you're in crazy places. If United comes in for adventures in golf, what sponsor? Is coming in for adventures in podcasting. It's a great question. It would probably be like Greyhound. Great. <laughs> I took a Greyhound across country. I did as well. You, you. I've never seen anyone else do this. Well, you. I know the story you told. You took a Greyhound to impress a girl, <laughs> which has never worked in human history. <laughs> hold on, hold on. The Eric Anders Lang Show is brought to you by our good Precision friend, Pro. So Precision Pro. It almost can see how far away the other coast is. Yeah. If you. <laughs> Coast-to-coast coverage. It has curvature of the earth enabled. Uh, if you turn on curvature of the earth, yeah. fortunately, Precision Pro does believe in that. Yeah. So they, they did put that setting in. I'd also like to put a little personal shout-out to Nick at Precision Pro. Nick, we love you. I know you're listening to this right now. What's up, Nick? And uh, thank yeah, you so much for sending us those new those new designs because we're getting cases, new covers. RGC sleeves that oh, we've cool. never seen before this month. I love that. You can too at PrecisionProGolf.com. I love my sleeve. PrecisionProGolf.com. And, and what's cool about the um, the the NX10 is that it's got a little slope like mm-hmm. like like um, slider on top. So if you're in a tournament and you're not allowed to use slope, <laughs> I just I played in a tournament last week. Just turn it off. Is that what you and did? I, you just I realized I had slope on. And if you have the slider for slope on, there's like a big green like revealer that that you know when you slide it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm currently cheating. <laughs> I mean, it didn't matter because I like missed the green by like 70 feet. So yeah. I don't know what you know. But ultimately, having that information is helpful when it's not against the rules. Do you remember when Iona Iona Stephen was telling us about how when she's on the course, she has to walk off everything. 
even oh, though right. even though people next to her have they have rangefinders. Wait, why does she have to walk it off? Because if she has if she gives anyone the information, any information that can help betting. Oh, right. Yeah, like if they if anyone can have like a 2 second slope knowledge before anyone else does. Yeah. Then maybe she could like make someone some dough, which is crazy to me. Because she could make how... herself some dough, and maybe she should. You know what I heard? Actually, I heard a story about how Bobby Jones bet on himself on his last tournament, and he went. So he went pro in order to bet on himself. He won, and then he never played again. I don't know if that's true. We got. We might want to look into that one. Well, uh, we'll fact check. If you heard it, it happened. Um, yeah, I think you should be allowed to bet on yourself in golf. You just shouldn't be allowed to bet against yourself. Totally. I mean, everybody wants to win. We're always we're already betting on ourselves when at least in the professional arena, right? I mean, yeah, we we bet on ourselves all the time. You've made some big bets on yourself in your life. Have I? I don't know. I would say so. Wouldn't you say this is a big bet? <laughs> this is a JoJo. I wouldn't say it's around. a gamble, but it's a <laughs> it's a gamble. Uh, it's a gamble. Yeah. I mean, I guess the good thing for me is that I don't I can't play another game. You know what I mean? I don't. Fair enough. Yeah. There's, there's no other. This is the only arena. I have fantasized though about waiting tables in in like the middle of nowhere or something. Well, what's your retirement plan? Buenos Aires. Oh goodness, what's yeah. my retirement plan? I, I don't think I'll retire. In what sense? Like, I think I would easily be seventy five, eighty five, mm-hmm. still grinding. Just being like, I'll I'll break seventy again yeah. one day. Ready, ready for it. Hi, I'm Eric. Hey, do you think you'll ever shoot your score? <laughs> Do you, th- do you ever think you'll shoot your age? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's easy. When do you think that's happening? Like, well, what? the lowest I've ever gotten is 67, <laughs> so, so it's like a good target. 26 years away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably, probably. I think, I think 80 is the number for everybody, right? 80, 80 when you're 80? Yeah. Yeah, that's just a life accomplishment. I mean, let's be fair. I'm halfway there, which is, surprisingly, I feel like very far away. I think, I think 40 years is a long time. Exactly. Having never having never approached it from the outside looking in. Yeah. I mean, I think back on my earliest memories of crawling, you know, and, <laughs> and how little I knew about the world, you know? Got to so, remember those days? How I feel all the time. Just crawling around. You just, have an earliest memory? What's your earliest memory? Fire truck. <laughs> what? Yeah, I just remember crawling around a yellow fire truck. Like it was a like you were at a recess gymnasium or something. No, no we went to we went to the. Oh, it was the an fire actual department. fire truck. Yeah, okay. we, yeah, we were. You know, it was my job. I was. I got a job at the fire department. No, I, I, we just. I don't know. We went there. I, I, most of my earliest memories are actually like novelizations mm-hmm. of photographs. Yeah, or stories that your your loved ones told yeah. you. Yeah, it reminds me of this thing where this um, <clears throat> this comedian was like, um, he writes books about movies that were based on books. <laughs> so he did great expectations and he's like, you know, okay, so Gwyneth Paltrow enters the room. Okay. He basically creates like a like a novel of the anyway, whatever. But that that's a lot of my memories are just kind of like fic, you know, like like fictitious kind of versions of Yeah, cuz our memory sucks. It does. As as people, as humans. Yeah. No, no, anyone who says they have a great memory, they might have like a excellent storytelling device in their head that Yeah. seems accurate, but I, I, there's a book I really want to read. Oh, really? Um, Tell me. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Do you read books? Yeah. Do you, you ever read books? What was the last book you read? Uh, the last book I read, well, I just did a re-read, re-read of um, Don DeLillo's White Noise. Oh. Because the, there's a Netflix adaptation coming out. Is it a novel? So. Yep. Okay. So it's... Um, it's uh, It's all waves and radiation. Non-fiction? No, no it's fiction. No, it's, it's fiction, yeah. That's so confusing. I like fiction. Really? I don't. Yeah, I know that. 
I feel like my life is fiction. <laughs> well, I think you might want to get that looked at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, so... But is that like... Because that's kind of weird to me because you used to like fictional movies, right? I still do. I actually don't watch a lot of documentaries. Okay, so you like fictional movies, but you dislike fictional books. Correct. Unpack, please. Take that suitcase, unzip, Yeah. walk me through the compartments. Well, I think when I'm watching a movie, when, when I turn on the TV, which is actually more and more seldom, mm-hmm. I don't really watch a lot on the screens. And I think when I do, I really just want to escape. You know what I mean? Like, I want a, I want a full fantasy experience. Um, and then when I'm reading a book, usually, I guess my book process is a little different. I eat books on tape. And so I listen to it usually during exercise or travel. Yeah, and is is there's you're hoping for an educational component. To yeah, that? usually I'm. Yeah, exactly. It's like so using time that you would otherwise not be able to use your brain for, you want to use it. Exactly. Yeah, and and a lot of the books I listen to are typically well. So it's an interesting thing. So the, I would I would say that they're all work related, but given that my job is so varied with like whether it's like uh, business or. Um, or like self-discovery or science around the way we uh, live. Like they all, like even like I just read, if you, you've uh, probably read it, um, Man's Search for Meaning. I'm familiar. I've never read it. Um, Viktor Frankl, uh, Holocaust survivor, mm-hmm. um, lived in a concentration camp for many years and, and survived and basically writes down, you know, the, the, the premise of the book I would say is if a man has a good enough why he can overcome anyhow. Yes, and okay, and that's the part I'm familiar with. If a yeah. man has a good enough why, can overcome anyhow. That's yeah. one of those lines you have to say again because there's true. so much weight in it. It's incredibly simple, and and this, so this this um, he was a doctor um, before um, you know going into the concentration camp, and um, you know he, he he tells all these stories that are like wildly. Uh, I mean, they're graphic, right? Uh, but at the same time, he's talking about how he survived. And, and he said that, interestingly, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this, but like the concept of hope mm-hmm. actually hurts your uh, like, uh, chances of survival, right? So you sort of, there's like a giving up and a letting go of like, um, you, know, uh, you know, I think, I think, and like, so he was writing book. He was writing a book while he was there, like taking notes, and they took it away. You know, I mean that, and that was challenging, right? He talks about all this stuff, and it's just like you know, you sort of just get eroded into this kind of, um, you know, this 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 thing. I'm 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 not really like prepared to like paraphrase it to be honest with you because it's such a heavy mm-hmm. subject matter. But ultimately, the the experience of walking away from reading that book is one of like you you sort of just you start to examine your own purpose. I think. Which is usually what I'm looking for from a book. I'm looking for something that relates to my purpose, I guess is what I'm saying. If you read or listen to what you think is a really good book, you're thinking about it moving forward. Like you're unpacking it. Yeah, I take notes. For the rest, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I do actually want to talk about this. So, so we can title this podcast like Good Books. Because I've really been wanting to dig into the books that I've read this year specifically. Mm-hmm. And they've really, again, they've, they've, they've really impacted like, who I am, actually. Can you throw me a bone, though? What kind of bone? Uh, a golf bone. Sure. Did you read a golf book this year? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Luke Reese. Yeah, he wrote a great book um, called One for the Memory Banks. 
And so Luke's become a friend of mine. And, um, you know, he's really, I guess he's a mentor, you know. And um, what's really cool about that is that he's lived a really incredible life. And he wrote this book about uh, someone that he met uh, while, while getting into his career at Wilson Tennis and, um, you know, brought them into the golf space. So it's mostly a story about his relationship that developed through work from this guy named Bondi who's becomes his golf partner uh, or, his, or his golf opponent. And, and Luke talks all about what they, like, saw together and, and how golf was kind of always a part of their, you know, business travels and leisure. And, and, and Luke basically proposes that Bondi taught him uh, a lot through the game of golf. And so it's this kind of memoir. And whenever they would go to the golf course, Bondi, an older gentleman um, uh, who's, who's, uh, who's from the area, um, foreign, you know, like, and, and, and basically anytime they would walk up to the, to the tee box, the first tee, Bondi would say, here's one for the memory books, memory banks, memory banks. Yeah. I'm fucking butchering this dude. You got to clean this up. <laughs> It'll be clean. So this book, one for the memory banks, and I actually put up a quick excerpt, uh, about this time where they're in Western Gills golf club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's it, my favorite golf course. Western Gills golf club lay just down the road. During the four-minute drive to the course, we hit defrost twice to clear the windshield. We discussed just playing a few holes. We would likely finish at the seventh, which had the convenient turning spot to go back to the clubhouse. The course was completely deserted. Yeah, you're just there, you yeah. know? Yeah, he's a very Hemingway-esque writer. Mm -hmm. And actually, so Luke's had a lot of different work, um, but primarily his business is private equity, Winona Capital. And, you know... Luke is one of these people where I'll go on the phone with him at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday and we'll talk for an hour and a half. We're talking about old relationships. We talk about, um, you know, there's there's nothing not on the docket. And and that's really like Luke is probably, I've never played golf with him, mm -hmm. but like he's, he's probably one of these people that you like, you, you don't, it's truly an adventure, right? And and this book has that in its DNA, right? Is this sort of like, he's basically saying, like, here's what happened, you know? And, um, you know, full disclosure, I haven't finished it yet, which is like kind of exciting for me. And so I don't like consider that, um, you know, we, you know, when I, when I look at like the way that the book makes me feel is it puts me in a place of reflection, I guess, which I really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't really read a lot of like, I guess my one departure from, uh, you know, reading fiction versus nonfiction is that I, I obviously Luke's book is not fiction, but it's less of the standard type of book that I would read. Yeah, it's, I think the term for that is it's familiar essay or autofiction. Yeah, exactly. Where, where you really, which I love. I love that style. I think golf writers, first of all, a lot of writers are, are attracted to golf. And I yeah. think there's, there's many reasons why that is. But golf writers themselves are so enjoyable to play with or to experience the game through because of the different ways they look at it. I mean, just look at Friend of the Channel and Breaking Star Tom Coyne. Amazing. Yeah. And 50 states, you know, 50 states across America. Authors, I think, are some of the more interesting people in the world because um, in order to write a book um, or even in order to write an essay or, or anything, you, you're, you're like, you're, it's super creative because, you know, language is our most basic form of communication. And to be able to, like, squeeze an idea or a feeling into um, a word is like, it's the simplest thing you can do to uh, express. Yeah, I think it's funny the number of different voices and styles we have to adopt 
because of what we do. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if you listen to the podcast, you know that we read ad copy. Yeah. Or that we, or brands will come to us and we'll have to, we have to take what they want. And then at the same time, they're like, what we want you to be you. <laughs> and so that's, you know, never an easy question to answer. That's not an easy Mad Libs to fail out. And then it's so funny, earlier today, we, we had the pleasure of meeting a producer uh, from the Connor Moore show. Yeah. And Andrew, then he guy. wanted to ask you what his question for you is about the voiceover. Oh, yeah. And and your process and that. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand that your workflow is, well, I have to be there. You know what I mean? Like I have to yeah. be there experiencing it and then I'm going to leave these notes to myself for later on yeah. my phone. Yeah, it's funny. You know, um, we I, I just opened up our... Uh, <laughs> I just opened up our hello at random golf club email. Yeah. By the way, if you, if you said anything, hello as well. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. sent something many, many, many months ago. Yeah. Um, we're checking that now. It's the one that you get when you click on in my Instagram profile. If you, if you hit email, it sends you to hello at randomgolfclub.com. And I guess no one had been checking it for a minute and a lot, many months. And so I opened it up the other night. Just some like Landon was like, you should open this up. And so I, or, you know, he was like, I feel like there's stuff in there. So I, like, I opened it up and, I did find a lot of things that I had missed that I wished I hadn't missed. <clears throat> Paddock Pass. Anyway, uh, wow. Yeah. That's sad. It's okay. It's okay. The next year, we'll, we'll go back. We'll, we'll go back. Yeah. TB, TBD on that one. But um, Lando, one of Lando the, Norris, if you hear this, if you know Lando Norris, come on. Uh, hit him up. Get him in here. We would, we'll, we'll go anywhere. Literally. We travel. Um, but one of the things I saw in this email um, account was messages from um, a lot of a lot of members of the community that were saying, you know, I want to start a channel. I'm getting into video. I love your content. I love the quality. And I guess I could, it's, it's actually an interesting subject to go back to because I don't, I like writing. I don't consider myself a writer. I will definitely write a book if I can live long enough to get out of the phase of living the book. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I love, I love the process. And I guess the question that Andrew said is he said, he was talking about Northwood, the AIG. And he was like, you know, what's the post-production on that? And I, it's like, to me, that's like a really cool question. No one's actually really asked that before. It's such a producer question to yeah. ask. And it's kind of like, you know, when like, you, you if you know if you're going to meet someone that you really respect, like you want to have a good question for them. And it- <laughs> Like, uh, hey, what Seamaster watch do you have on? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just like something that's like going to trigger. Because I mean, like my job at the end of the day is just, like most of it is to ask good questions. And like even at work, you know, like, when we talk about like what's a, you know, how do we how do we stage our curiosity um, in a way that like like pulls in the other person to want to you know engage? Interesting questions, and um, so Andrew posed a very interesting question about like post production on Northwood, and it was it was like cool to be able to talk about how you know those episodes, especially from some of the highlights of season six, Blind Golf and um, Northwood and uh, Tijuana. Um, those were episodes and even Oaxaca, we like really poured a lot into those. And, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting because, you know, we, you, we like, we like just kind of like Luke's book, right? It's like, we show up, we we're just there to experience in some ways. And so it's, you can't really go into an adventures in golf and have a theme or a thesis. Like, you know, a Catalina is a great example. Like I, we went to Catalina, like full disclosure, not really knowing about the Mexican open. Mm-hmm. Like we, we didn't really know that. And that's the title of the video. Exactly. So we found it while we were there and, and that comes through patience. It comes and, and it comes through, I'll be honest, like, do you know, Chris Burkhart, the photographer? Yes. 
So he just got, um, he just really posted this cool thing the other day, and he said, um, I love creating in chaos. And I really related to that. And there, and there is an aspect to your life. Sorry, it's just, yeah, of course you relate to that. <laughs> There's an aspect to documentary filmmaking where you must exist in chaos. And probably for most authors, too. Like you. Well, can we be really clear about this? I think a, a large problem with the documentary genre is because the large studios are so are so invested in the success of their properties that they need to see a pre-approved script and they need their pre-pro to follow pre-production mm. to follow a very specific timeline. Sure. Documentaries are scripted. I mean, yeah, for the most part. I mean, yeah. you know, um, there are can you can you look up I am blanking on the name. I can't remember. Um uh, Alex Gibney, never mind. Alex Gibney did, um, you know, Dirty Money on Netflix. Yeah, I was wondering if that was going to yeah. It's a great series. Mm-hmm. Whether those are scripted or not in advance, I don't know. I mean, the guy's a killer. So, like, he just, I'm sure, he probably has a bit of a different agreement with them, but. But those are those are different, too, in that, you know, they're retrospective in a certain sense. They're sure. like, let's dive into what happened. Yeah. What, what Bourdain did so well, and what I like to think we do really well, is it's a discovery process. Yeah. And when you go on these trips, when you go to Bulgaria... Or when you, when I say you, I'm talking to you, the listener and the viewer. When you're going to Northwood and you're seeing these trees, that's what we're doing too. Yeah, You're watching us discover. Yeah. And I think that's really important for the success of the story and the success of the mission of the show. Yeah, I mean, like, when we landed in Bulgaria, like, I, I had no idea what to expect. You know, and I mean, that's, that's like, um, we know that there's a golf course. And we know we're going to talk to people. And they ask for questions in advance. What do you want to talk about? And you just have to like, you're basically just like give them an IOU for questions. Yeah. You know? And then you end up finding the story later. And there's always this moment when you leave. Finally, when you leave and like the plane takes off and then you realize what you wish you would ask. Oh, well, yes. Well, every time. Every writer, uh, if, you go to, if you go to any writer's house and you see their book on the shelf, open it up because you'll see ink in the margins. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like that's funny. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's only a few episodes of Adventures in Golf that I wouldn't change, but Northwood might not even be one of them. But like you know, as you look back, like there was the the shot we missed from Northwood was um, uh, was Gaylord and his son playing golf together. Mm-hmm. Missed that one. Didn't get it. Okay, what are, what are the what are the Adventures in Golf episodes where you watch them and you're like, that was it. That was where he had his blind golf there. Um. Blind golf. Um, there, there were things I would have changed. Um, we wanted to film with Chad at his nonprofit, and uh, we weren't able to do that. So, I mean, did the episode need it? I think so. I, I think it would have been better with that. Seeing, you know, with the documentary, it's really interesting because um, most of the things you need to see, and so the camera becomes just sort of like a snowplow. Right, you that's, just, a, that's a nice analogy. I like that. Yeah, you just you, the the thing between you and this and the seeing of the story goes away. You just you find it like, and so that that's a chaotic environment because you can't just show up and say, okay, I know exactly what I want to see from Chad. And to be honest with you, I don't want that. I want it to on the day just be looking at the schedule and be like, okay, cool. I know what we're doing first. We don't need to know the rest. We just need to we just need to keep staying afloat. We're treading water essentially the whole the whole shoot. And, um, you know, Vietnam, I, Vietnam's going to be a great episode. Mm-hmm. It could have been incredible. 
it could have been a it could have been a top episode, but uh, in my opinion, I think it'll be an incredible episode. It'll be great. I really do, and I think it'll it'll it it's one of those episodes where you get to do something no one's really done in that true sense. And we were talking about this recently, I'm trying to remember when, but the idea of going back, yeah, whether you can even go back, how, how it's harder to go back on these yeah. AIG episodes than maybe to go there in the first place. But I hope that part of the world is a place where we can tell more stories. Yeah. We were talking about this because of the voiceover for Bulgaria. That's right. So at the end of Bulgaria episode, which is coming out, I think it's the next one up. It is, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be out tomorrow, essentially. Um, at the end, the voiceover is something along the lines of like, you know, I would I would love to come back to Bulgaria, but the the straight chance is very un- very unlikely because... There are so many places that I want to go back to, yeah. and like that—that's—it's almost like that's the paradox of choice in some weird, weird way, where it's like, you know, come, come, like come back, like I mean, and and as we start to develop more of a community in golf around the world with Random Golf Club and and our meetups, and oh, you know, like you'll we'll post the meetup and we'll do it, and then it's like, uh, you know, someone couldn't make it; they were out of town; they 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 wanted to be there and have another one, and it's like. Oh, dude, like I want to, you know what I mean? But like that, that going back is hard. And so we're going to figure out a way to kind of solve that to some extent and be able to have more meetups, sort of a different subject um, as we get into next year and how random golf club membership can mean more for, you know, those of you who are like in Duluth or Detroit mm-hmm. or Canada or, or Davis or wherever. Yeah, and and can like be able to like get together more easily because really like at the end of the day like this thing whole started this whole thing started like because I wanted a club that reflected my own like va- curiosity about how different people can get together on the golf course and that time is like the adventure. Well, you know what we can go back to. Yeah. The show in a minute because we got to go pay the green fees and do a couple. <laughs> As that's right. It's a podcast transition. Oh, I like, it's I like a the segue. Concept. That's a Jay Larson. Thanks, Jay. By the way, golf that's line. That's what Jay calls it. So Jake, Jay calls his ads the green fees, and and he's right because otherwise uh, there would be no me. So you know, that's just it. think about that when you're listening to these. And when we come back, I have three things I really want to ask you about before we run out of time. So okay, let's hit it. You know what's funny? Uh, so 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 these days it says every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager. Free small business. Back to the gambling analogy. And about to have some more. <laughs> you want to be 100% certain that you have to access the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. 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 Wait, they work for free? Yeah, that, it's, this, it's this new feature they're trying. It's called indentured servitude. <laughs> it's actually a gray area. Um, it's very easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn. All you have to do is... Uh, Add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Um, sometimes I look around at, uh, you know, because you can do this in reverse and you can be available for a job. I noticed, Jojo, you are currently said it's available for a job. Oh, does it really? <laughs> I'm kidding. That'd be so funny. I think in my LinkedIn, it says I'm working in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I logged into my LinkedIn the other day uh, for the first time in 10 years, which is pretty exciting. I updated my whole profile. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, we're we're on there. We're hit we, me up. Message us. That's the best. Uh, that's the best way to reach us. Yeah, it goes straight to hello at randomgolfclub.com. Anyway, with LinkedIn, you get simple tools like screening questions and make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
um, ultimately finishing the year strong and how and finding the right team member is super crucial for us this year. So we do have some positions available on LinkedIn, do we? I believe so. So head over yeah. to our LinkedIn, check it out if you're interested in a job. But also, it's just a tool that small business owners uh, like yourself and like maybe you listening mm-hmm. should use in order to grow and excel in your particular livelihood. <laughs> I don't have coffee in front of me. <laughs> I think you got out of that okay. Anyway, small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. So if you want LinkedIn jobs to help you find the qualified candidates to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash EAL show. That's linkedin.com slash EAL show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now for the real gamble. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers, what? What's your favorite football team? Me, the Giants. Your Giants? I'm, you know I'm a Jets fan? Or Seahawks. You know this? Why, Gary Vee? No, because my dad. Oh, really? <laughs> Not because of Gary Vee. I don't know. Gary Vee, my father. Uh, <laughs> Wait, um, you guys look the same. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. Um, yeah, my dad grew up in the Bronx. You're from New Jersey. Yeah. So a little uh, little Jets-Giants action. We're finally good again, by oh, the yeah. way. Yeah. Yes. That's nice. <laughs> that's, that's no, like you like. are, too. You're like 6'1". Okay. Uh, but yeah, I was Lawrence Taylor back in the day, you know. Um, but yeah. I'm just down for a good football game, to be honest with you. And I just want it to be finished close. Mm, yeah, that's really how I feel about professional sports in general. Yeah. And especially when my team comes on top, when I'm using my wonderful FanDuel account, taking the over, taking the spread. <laughs> in, and with FanDuel right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just sign up with your promo code RGC. They got your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. Combine your bets for a chance to win a bigger payout with the same game parlay. You're telling me they'll let you bet even more if you want to? <laughs> it's true. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. It's safe, secure, and easy to use and get your winning paid fast with FanDuel. Go to R- Use the promo code RGC for your no sweat first bet and make every moment more this season with FanDuel. The official sports book partner of the NFL. And now back to the show. And first things first, we're in Austin, Texas. Yeah. It is 65 degrees out. Oh my God, it's perfect. How do you feel about fall golf? I played actually yesterday. I played nine holes yesterday with some of the guys from Huckberry. Oh, that's right. I couldn't make it. Where you played at Mo Willie, right? I played Mo Willie. We played nine holes. Fucking Blaze shot. Uh, he had one birdie, one bogey. Yeah, he's he can be Blazes just like you. He runs hot, he runs cold. <laughs> I'll be real clear. Blaze and I played together against uh Keffer and Simon recently. Keffer, okay. uh, you know Keffer, he made a hole in one. You know Simon, he's been around. Uh and Blaze, I hate to do this to him. He shot a one ten. Oh my god. Yeah. Get him in here. Is he sitting out there? Yeah, he should. He's always on an errand. He might he might be doing something more important than sitting out there waiting to be brought into the podcast. <laughs> he might be working on his swing. <laughs> but, but then he told me I talked to him recently, and he was like, "I came back from that, and honestly, 30, 36, 37, like he's doing been doing these nine hole runs." Yeah, yeah, he was firecrackers out there, dude. I mean, he, Mo Willie's his favorite course, and he was just he walked up to the first tee with driver in hand at Mo Willie, which is like amazing. You only take driver on the first tee at Mo Willie if you've got like an extraordinary level of confidence in the ball flight. Either that, or you know you're going to push it, and then whatever you'll be and in the same with the card path on the right. Yeah, 
you can get over that tree. I take a five iron. <laughs> five iron is kind of a good play. Honestly, I'm not surprised you take a five iron. Yeah, I'm a. I, don't you think I'm a conservative golfer? You're very conservative. Thank you very much. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, how'd you play? I was a mess oh, uh, for five holes. Mm-hmm. I think I, I did three holes in a row. I did, um, yeah, on two, three, somehow on three, the par three, I lost a ball. I, I hit a good shot. I Wait, just the, number, the par three, number par three. three. Yeah, yeah, three, three. On, One of the best holes in Austin. It's an incredible hole. Yeah, on, on two, three, and four, I lost a ball on each hole, which was sort of disconcerting. You never want to lose a sleeve. Yeah, just go and just rip in a sleeve. Shout out to uh, Jaden, I believe, in Austin, who was on our, We just dropped some Vice doodle balls. You should yeah. you should get them if you still can. I, are they sold out? They might be sold out. There's a few left, yeah. There's a few left. Um, Jaden like, responded on, on social media, and he was like, I love these balls. I found them like in a river the other day. Yeah. Like, Oh, he said it, and we had not launched them yet. Yeah, I don't know who. So I knew they were Kevers. Yeah, just guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and and but then I started playing well, and of course I did the thing where um, I birdied eight, birdied the last hole. Oh, you got a birdie! Oh, wow, what a feeling! It was a good feeling. Was yeah. it dark? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it was dark. Okay. I, I think the the sweet spot here is you tee off an hour forty before sunset. Mm-hmm. You can get in nine. And it's just dark at the end. And usually, the best part is, as it starts to get closer to dark, more people leave. Yeah. And the course opens up, and you just go faster. There's a nip in the air. Yeah. Talk to me about the golf fit. What are you wearing? Yesterday, I wore corduroys and a cardigan. I mean, fuck. Just like librarian vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I wore I wore my Vans, too, which I I shouldn't be wearing those. You, van, you golf and? Yeah. I, I need to be wearing golf shoes, I think. Because I think then I just... You know, it's kind of like, um, it's like, it's like lukewarm. I, I need like ice in my drink, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm hardo. I'm a hardo like that. Yeah. I'll slip if I don't have yeah. um, spikes on. I've discovered this and I feel the same way about soccer. I need cleats. Yeah. Fair enough. Otherwise I need the equipment. Should we get metal spikes? Yes. For the team? Should we 3D print uh, t- things that can go over your shoe that turn any shoe into spikes? Whoa. Kind of like the reverse of galoshes? Yes. Or like those, you know, they make this for, I know this because in Alaska we had, they had... Um, the crampons for your Yeah, golf, they had crampons, yeah. But can we, should we make those so you can turn any shoe you're wearing Whoa. into a golf shoe? It's one of those ideas that probably is going to fail. But <laughs> like, it's so cool, it's kind of worth trying. I'll say this though, and maybe this is the New England childhood in me. I think fall is my favorite golf season. Oh, for sure. You'll lose a million balls. Yeah. But you know what? You just let them go. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. Because you're like, whatever, I'm never going to look in the leaves. That's fine. I'm not a big looker. It's bad. I need to get better at looking. Would you say you're a good finder? No, I'm terrible. Yeah. I like don't. I don't watch where the ball goes. Really, I can't see it anyway. My eyesight's not good enough. How do you feel about the people who will not leave until they find their ball? I mean, I'll help them for like a minute or two. Mm-hmm. What's your What's the line you say? What How do you suggest to a person that they should drop? Oh, I make it a positive. I'm like, no, just drop by me. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the. Oh, just drop in the middle of the fairway, 150. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I'll just be like, hey, man, unlucky. Yeah. I think also it's kind of like if you're teeing up a ball, mm-hmm. be prepared to never see it again. As soon as it goes on that little white pedestal. <laughs> yeah. As soon as that ball goes from your hand to the ground in some form, like there's a, there's a, a very high likelihood it's never, ever going to see you again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a sad thought. We were actually talking about um, yesterday when I finally hit a good shot. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, there's that. Um, there, so there's the idea of like, if I finally hit a good shot and I was like, man, it's not like 
I'm getting any better. It's like I'm just my relationship to hope is getting better. <laughs> Wild full circle from earlier in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I've stopped hoping. Mm-hmm. I've just become more accepting of reality. And in therein lies the game. I told you that I've been my driver's swing has completely completely left me. Yeah. And two very drunk people drove by me. As I was, as I started my backswing, and I heard from the cart down the path, first guy was like fireball shot, and the second one was like, "Okay, Jim Furyk." <laughs> I just that was that was my low point in my golf uh, yeah. swing over the last month or so. Was that like? Did that present you with like, uh, uh, like what? W- what was the go forward strategy from that? Like, did you did you make contact? Did you? Oh uh, yeah, I made contact. Wide right. Wide right. Wide right, yeah. Yeah, you just drop, need to cover the ball. The shoulder, honestly. Just cover just, the ball, dude. I just feel like I need to, I just need to get around it. Impact. That's my swing thought. And it's a yeah. bad swing thought. Yeah, you need to just be okay with the ball leaving. Oh, drop the, just drop the ball that way too. Yeah, just like, just like, when you tee off, you just say, "Dear ball, goodbye." I'm a big fan of uh, leaving my driver in the bag, and going three wood, three wood. Yeah. On a, on a lot of par like fives, that. yeah. Well, I told you, I mean, like, if you're listening to the pod, you've definitely heard the story, but, like, my best round of my life, the only time I ever went under par was when I said, over every tee shot, mm-hmm. I said, I am okay with wherever you land. The ball has already landed. The ball's already landed. And so developing a sense of equanimity with wherever the ball lands, you, you in turn, you give up hope for one outcome over another. Can we talk about that though? Can we talk about the day that you hustled a NBA Hall of Famer? James Worthy got done. When was that? What was that match? Four and three. What? When was oh, yeah, that? He over? was closed pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was on the twelfth tee at five under and not really realizing what was happening. It's <laughs> the craziest story. That's ever. the best part of golf. Is I've been on photo shoots with a photographer who started playing okay, you know, I mean, because they'll hit a shot in real then, and then three holes later, I'll be like. Oh wait, we haven't taken any photos in a long time. Because you, because yeah. if you're playing well, it's the only thing your mind can think about. Yeah, you get lasered. Yeah, yeah, just focused and man, I want to go play golf. Me too. Yeah, we can get the fuck out of here. Yeah, should we go? Should we go play some golf? How long I, have we I, been recording. I did want to in the force. Yeah, we're in the force. Okay. I did want to hit something though at oh, the yeah. end, because um, I said the, the three things. Thing number two is one book uh, you would recommend the listener right now. To go find an audiobook or an ebook or go to their local library, what should they read? You go in yeah. the Atomic Habits direction. You go in the no, Atomic Habits is good. Um, I guess it depends. Like so, so, real quick, and we'll we'll dig into this in more detail again. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, my books of the year are obviously um, one for the memory banks, uh, Luke Reese, and then um, the hard thing about hard things. It's Ben Horowitz, the CEO kind of book, where it's like talking about. It's 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 really just talking about his experience of basically like coming into this shit and not knowing anything and just and just ultimately dealing with just a, you know if you're if you're operating a business you're always you're always either like fixing a problem or building something new and the image of an entrepreneur is that you're fixing the plane as it's like falling you know free fall so I relate to that um, and then. Uh, the other ones that I read this year that I'm really enjoying are Platonic. It's yeah, a, you're telling me about this. Yeah, it's a story about. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a 
psychology, sociology with some, with some science backing into how important friendship is in our adult life and kind of the problems and solutions that are available or that are existing. And then um, I read Letting Go this year, which was a great book by David Hawkins about how, um, you know, the emotional process of like, uh, I guess like digesting uh, thoughts and feelings is one that's actually, you know, served merely by letting go. So he, he basically proposes like, hey, you don't even need therapy. Like you can just let go of it. Like, and so it's kind of like, um, so what's the last thing that upset you? Well, you, it was probably an hour ago when you said that I had the worst fashion of anyone you had ever seen. You're saying that like I said it. I just said fashion is a sphere and you're on the backside. Uh, you're very close to what I love fashion, about, but you're also as far away as you can be. <laughs> what I love about podcasting <laughs> is we've, you, you don't know this if you're listening. We've done this entire podcast and I have a Yellowstone jacket on. Yeah, he's wearing a black denim jacket like Rip from Yellowstone with the logo. With the logo, yeah. It's great. Thank you. So it's good fashion. I'm no longer upset, but yeah. that would have been it. No, it's great. I'll post a photo here. Hang on. Let me just take a quick photo. We'll post this on Monday. <laughs> Anyway, um, the idea letting of go. letting go is that it's sort of like it's sort of like if if something's upsetting me, if 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 someone said something to me that bothers me, for example, the question is, can I let that go? Mm-hmm. And that's just the question that keeps coming up. You know, it's so funny how it just goes back to the four agreements. Oh, I mean, four agreements is the fucking jam, yeah. right? It's so it's just simplify your life. Yeah. Okay, if I got one book rec for you, if you're listening and you love golf but you want to look at it in new ways, John Updike. My known for Rabbit Run, but take a peek at Golf Dreams, which is a collected series of his essays on golf. And as he likes to say, uh, a golf swing is like trying to pack too many things into a suitcase. Ooh, a relatable dude. Yeah. I'm yeah. always fucking with that zipper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's kind of the ethos of the book. So I'd recommend checking that out. I could check that out. I haven't seen that yet. You, I think you'd love it. Yeah. You know, I think it really, really gets into it. Um, last thing for you, uh, we were talking about this earlier today. I think you got a really special email. Um, and I'm not sure if you want to, I know obviously, obviously however you wanted to talk about it, but it really touched me and it made me think about things a little bit differently. And especially doing a meetup two weeks ago and you did a meetup in DC last week. But I feel like the connection to the community, I'm feeling it a lot more right now. Good. Me too. Um, this did not come in the hello at email. This came through our, um, our customer service email, uh, our shop at randomgolfclub.com. And so Emily, our customer service manager, uh, got an email and forwarded it to me. And it was from a man in New York who, um, was expressing gratitude, right? It wasn't, it wasn't about a product. And he, and he said that, um, you know, the Deer Golf film had like an impact on him and on his late son, who uh, three years ago passed away in a motorcycle accident while driving uh, to the golf course. Mm -hmm. And I guess this film, and I guess the the way we talk about golf, um, you know, throughout all the films that we make, um, were like celebrated between the two of them. And, and when, and when his son was getting into golf, uh, they, they 
it was like a connection point for them, which is how we see it. And um, so much so that after his son's um, un- untimely passing, they made a memorial on the golf course in the form of a, a bench with a plaque. And the plaque says, Dear Golf, I love you. And um, yeah, I'm speaking slowly because it's like, you know, it happens uh, at different times, but, you know, we're in the office and we're working and there's yeah. things going on and buzzing around and there's 10 people and emails and endless meetings, meetings, video calls. And I'm on my computer, like reading the, and seeing the images of the, the bench and, and the images of the father and son um, playing golf together. And, you know, I mean, to think, I mean, I guess the craziest, the, the zoom out is like the, the, the idea that um, the interconnectedness of it all and how like, you know, we don't make videos for ourselves. No, or to make money. We don't make them for Precision Pro or Vice or anybody. I mean, that's the greens fee, right? We we do that because that's how we get to do it every day. Mm-hmm. But we make them for you, uh, and and we make them for people that have never seen them and never played golf and don't like golf, don't think they'll ever play. We we make the videos for other people to feel something, whether it's like satisfaction. Sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes it's inspiring. Um, and sometimes it's, uh, educational, but ultimately like the feeling of hearing the tree fall in this case, in a profound way, in a, in a, in a, in a kind of a memorial kind of way, I think a lot of times, you know, we don't consider that enough. And I, and I know someone actually messaged me and said, death's been coming up a lot on the podcast. And I was like, dude, death is always at the front of my mind. That's right. We were we were talking about it a couple Picasso weeks ago. Picasso said, "I have this quote." He said, uh, "Oh, here's an interesting quote, actually, and I hope this comes out right." Joan Halifax said, "How many people who will die today even know that this will be the last day of their lives?" Picasso said, "Don't go to sleep unless you're okay with not doing, with leaving that thing undone." You know what I mean? Like do it. Like do what you need to do. Yeah, or or love what you need to love. Yeah, and uh, tell the people in your lives. Yeah, which is you know something I, I more and more try to try to let those people know. Yeah. Um, and feedback obviously heard. You know we we don't just try to talk about things. Uh, we try to talk about what's real and what's happening around us and what we see. Well, I think death often gets confused as a morbid subject, yeah. and I think it's like if you don't want to talk about death, then my guy. <laughs> You're ignoring the fucking facts. <laughs> which I think brings me back to, to why I want to talk about in the first place, which is what a beautiful, beautiful memory. Yeah. And what an incredible thing. And how special is it that Deer Golf is something I watched and I really related to. It's something Rick Shields watched and related to enough to make his own version. Yeah. Is something so personal as your love for the game can be so universal Yeah, that other people can, can feel it as their own thoughts and their own words. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's why. I mean, in the film of, of uh, Dear Golf, I Love You, we, we, we talk about that 
concept of of um of not golf essentially like like golf will outlive us all and we'll just sort of hope that we made an impact in it um and so the understanding your own impermanence is is like the the um the the quote is death implies life and life implies death you know i mean you can't you can't really have one without the other. Yeah, there's a Walt Whitman, we, Leaves of Grass, you know. Have you ever considered it lucky to be born? Whoa. And uh, and it is part of that continuum. Yeah. So we'll, we talk about it. Um, but what I will say is if you haven't seen Dear Golf, I Love You, it's linked in the description of this podcast below. Um, and if you have seen it and you haven't seen it in a while, you want to see it again, it's linked down below. You know, we could actually play the audio. We could definitely play the. I've never heard. Just, I've never like listened to it without it's, watching. It's like it. a spoken word. You could just do it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I, I want to listen to it. Let's just do it really quick. And uh, yeah, if you don't want to listen, you know, we'll see you next week. We have an incredible golf course designer and architect coming on the podcast, Christine Frazier. Um, but otherwise, this will be, dear golf. I love you. And uh, and thanks, Charles, for the note about uh, for for the message about your son, Colin. Here's Dear Golf. Dear Golf, I love you. Ever since that moment we met, it was as though we had been paired for life. I remember the first time I saw you. Not as what I thought you were, but as what you actually were. I remember there were all sorts of distractions on that day with etiquette and dress code and formality. But none of that was you. I meant you, actually you, in a thousandth of a second on a tee box a place I'd never been before. It was, perhaps, the purest moment of my life as I think back on it. I disappeared, and beneath me a golf club hit a golf ball. I stood over what just happened, and my mouth was wide open. Anyway, it's been eight years, maybe nine now, since that day, and to say you've changed my life is actually an understatement, because what you actually did was define my life. You gave me meaning, kind of the way a child does to a couple. You gave me structure. You gave me questions. You gave me joy, and you also gave me pain. But all the time, it was a fair pain. And at many times, I had the foolish idea that I would try to figure you out once and for all. I could see you now somewhere, laughing, as I scratched my head on some fairway or in some group of trees. And while obviously I haven't figured you out, I have learned one thing, and that is that whatever you are is whatever I want you to be. And that's when you taught me, I think, the greatest lesson of all, how to dance with you, how to make you purr like an old engine. And then we ran together like dogs all over the world. You bought me plane tickets and I met you in every corner cafe, stealing away from my adult life. You offered me what few things ever had, you said to me over and over and over again, here is a chance, Eric. But a chance at what, I thought. I had trouble filling in the blanks. I guess I thought for a while it was a chance to break par. And I still might think that, but I think I know now that what you offered me was a chance to live a great and meaningful life. See, in some ways, you're my big brother. Did you ever know I saw you like that? Even as I write this letter, I wonder if we've both grown older together. 
To be honest, as much as pondering my life without you fills me with sadness, the idea that we both must grow old fills me with a similar feeling. Kind of like sadness, but it's a little closer to gratitude. That I could offer you something in return reminds me of that children's book, The Giving Tree. Did you ever read that book by Shel Silverstein? Anyway, the idea that I could offer you something in return is truly the gift of my life. The giving of my life. And now that I think of it, I'm not sure who is the tree in this analogy. If I'm the tree, cut me down so you can use me as you grow old. Because one thing is for sure, dear golf, you will outlive me. And you are more important than me. You will offer everything you offered to me and more for generations to come. You will teach people that don't even exist yet things that are impossible to predict. You will connect people. You will define individuals. You will create circumstances that provide happiness and community for millions. You will stay open late and you will let dogs roll all over you. You will be the runway and you will be the tour guide. You will be the confessional and you will be the girlfriend. I say that because you've already been those things for me in my short time with you. And as I think of that phrase, short time. I get sad because I won't be there with you in your eternal life. And that's probably why I stay up so late with you now. That's what true love does for young lovers. It makes us utter that Latin phrase, carpe diem. And so we do, every time we approach you we seize the day. Golf, whoever categorized you as a game must have known you're more than that. It must have been some type of reverse psychology. Golf, I know enough to know that I will never know enough about you. And I hope that at least on my dying day, that I think of you at the end and remember this letter that I once wrote you way back when. And I wonder if you ever read it. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Charles.